Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Welcome everyone, welcome to a new podcast episode. Today we are joined by Yasmin Biffy, who works as a shipbroker at BRS Shipping. Uh, in this episode, Yasmin will share her story, advice and provide valuable insights into the world of shipbroking. So uh, nice to meet you, Yasmin. It's a pleasure to have you in this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Nice to meet you, Paul Louis. Again, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm Yasmin Biffy. I'm from Ivory Coast in Abidjan. I have been a ship broker for the past two years at BRS Ship Brokers. The company is based in, uh, in Paris and in, uh, in Luxembourg. And we also have offices all over the world. I have graduated for a Master of ma in Maritime Law and an MSc in Management and International Business. So the one in Maritime Law was from the University of Le Havre. And the second one is from the University of Nottingham Trent University in the UK. So back to BRS, um, the company has been around since 1856, and we opened our first office in the African continent two and a half years ago. So now we have offices all, of, all over the world now. Um, it has been an adventure to be a ship broker at BRS, and I will talk about this more, more as we go into the podcast. Nice. Great. I would like to ask you this question. Why uh, did you work as a ship broker? Okay, that would be an interesting question because initially I was not going to work as a shipbroker because you see my background is mainly maritime law and management, nothing commercial because a shipbroker is a lot of commercial part of the shipping. And I got into it a bit by, let's say a bit by luck. A friend of mine saw the opportunity, she sent it to me and I was like, okay, this looks like shipping. It's not really what I studied to. I studied to do in uh, in my back in my in my university ideas, but let me give it a try. So I went and I had an interview. I liked the company. I liked the but the business idea, and so that's how I got into it. Oh wow! So it means you had no clue about the business before. Uh, I had didn't no know. clue about the oh, business. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know what was shipbroking. I just I was like, okay, that's looking. Like, this looks interesting. And what got me into it was actually that the company was opening the office in West Africa. And if we, we talk about it as we go, but it's a bit different than what we do in other offices because here is more a developing, a developing office. So we'll be developing businesses, developing new accounts. So everything is new. So it's both shipbroking and business development combined in one, in one uh, business. So it's really okay. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We'll come back to this point because it's uh, exactly. quite interesting, we'll especially about Africa as well. Um, exactly. I would like to ask you uh, this question about, can you provide a kind, your in, uh, definition of shipbroking? What is the role of a shipbroker? Of course, I did many podcasts with shipbrokers and each of them okay. are like his own definition. So what is your definition? Okay. So what is my definition of shipbrokers? Shipbrokers are... Intermediaries between part between part partners or actors of the shipbroking industry or the maritime industry, if you like to say. So the easier part is we we intervene every time there's a transaction between between charterers or owners, charterers or ship or shipbuilding plants, 
all those things. So we intervene for S&P, which is sales and purchase. We intervene when they need to ship cargo from one port to another. We also intervene when people need to build in the ship. We have different types of ship brokers. For example, at BRS, we have 12 departments of ship broking. So we have asset, which is S&P. We have, um, we have tankers. We have specialized tankers. We have LNG, FFA brokers. We also have dry cargo brokers, which is what I do. So specifically, to take a, clear, a simple example, for dry cargo brokers, we have a client who come up, who come to me with a cargo, which can, which can be manganese, mineral, uh, iron ore, clinker, cement. You will see I have 50,000 tons of this cargo that I want to move from, since I work in West Africa, from Abidjan to China, find me a ship. It will give me a lot of information, such as the LACAN, the loading rate, discharging rate, all those information that we need. And I'll go and see different owners. I'll contact the owners and tell, hey, guys, this is the cargo I have right now. Can you, uh, your ship is available here. Is this of interest to you? If they say yes, they will give me a rate. I will come back with several rates to my clients and advise him which one to take based on his LACAN and all his uh, budget and all the plan. So this is this is the real simplified version of the work, but this is how it works. <laughs> well, very clear. Very clear. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. Um, so the goal, this is actually to find the best rate uh, because exactly. if you, are, you need to looking for a ship, a ship owner, um, you need to mm -hmm. find the best uh, option for the customer. Exactly. So it's to find the best rate and to facilitate information, uh, information on freight. So if, for example, if the charters was only looking at one owner, you only get one owner. But as a ship broker, I have a database of several owners I can talk, I can talk to. So I can talk to owner in the A, B, C, D. They will give, they will give me different rates. Someone will give mm. me USA 75, someone other one say 76, 80, and I come back to the charter and say, okay, those are the ships. So that they would, for the, for the final decision, they can look at the ships, and a ship can be 15 years old, one can be 20, another one can be 16. So they will look at all those different details not only the freight to make the decision in the end and take which other owner they want to, to, to fix with. So as a ship okay. worker, uh, this is what I do. I'll collect all this information, bring it to my child and help them make the final decision. Okay. So I imagine yeah. that if you build experience, um, yes. I mean, if, for example, you're a senior ship broker, uh, you yeah. have a lot of A, B, C, D options. I mean, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, so as as so when you start as a ship broker, it depends on the company you work in. Sometimes your colleague will, will give you uh, the contact of the owners you already work with, if they already if those owners have ships in your region, because sometimes we are separated in region. I work for on uh, West Africa. Some colleagues will work on East Med. Some other clients will focus on on the Pacific and the list goes on. So if the owners have ships all over the area, they will say, okay, Yasmin, you are looking at this uh, this deal. But my owner, we have a ship coming into Abidjan. So let's work with it together. And okay. like you said, as you go, you, uh, you talk to more owners, you talk to more clients. So you have a panel of owners and a panel of clients. Or you can always try to match as you go. Okay. And um, mm. when you start like working as a ship broker, I imagine mm. you, you don't have any, I mean, customer database on even to find ship owners. How did you manage it? Is it like easy when you find you work in a big company as BRS or, or you still need to find your way, I, I can say? Okay. This is, this is a tricky question because like I, did, I told you in the beginning, in West Africa, 
we are a developing office or developing, we are mainly focused on business developing. So unlike our, our colleagues who mainly already have their clients, here we have to go into the market, go specifically to the uh, database and see, okay, look at Abidjan. For example, in Abidjan, we have over 10 to 14 uh, cement plants. So we have to go and talk to those guys and say, hi, guys, we are chief ship brokers. We can help you manage your freight. This is how, this, is how this works. This, uh, let's work on this help you manage your freight and do all those business together. Okay. So it's a bit different. We have to go and create those clients and this can take a lot of time to develop. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so you need uh, actually to build from almost from scratch. Here we are building uh, from scratch, from the really scratch. Uh, and to give you an example, uh, last when I started, when I started working at, uh, at the office, My colleague has been work, uh, has been coming back and forth from between Abidjan and uh, Europe to start talking to clients, and he has been talking to a specific client for one year. And that, uh, after one year, he gave me the client to start to keep work building with that client, and it also mm. took me more than a year before fixing with that client. So it's like okay. two years for my colleague Sweet. and I to fix with that client. It's, so a, it's lot. a bit different. <laughs> It's a lot of it's yeah. a lot of time. You have to you have to build trust here. You have to make people understand you. You have to make people trust you before they start even making business with you. Okay, so you are talking about business development. So of course, uh, yeah. are you combining this uh, role like uh, with uh, fixing ships, like with chartering part? Uh, because yeah. uh, as a shipbroker, you you are very busy, I imagine. But if you need to make mm -hmm. business development aside, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is what we're actually doing, um, developing the business here. So to put it simply, we have a lot of companies in Africa, big companies, but they work in two different ways. So either they sell they sell FOB, which is free on board, or they buy CIF. What this means is um, buying FOB is they, they will, sorry, buying CIF means they will buy the, the cargo plus the freight and They don't really care how much, how much or how long it would take the seller to find the ship, how much the ship would cost. They don't really care about this. They just need the ship to be at the at the discharging port. Okay, interesting. And when they and when they buy, um, so and when they sell now, they will sell FOB, which is free on board. So they'll put the cargo at the at the loading port. They don't really care how the buyer will manage to transport the the goods from West Africa or or Central Africa to the load to the discharging port. This, while this is a good way of working, it doesn't give them a good visibility on the freight market. And as shipbrokers, we come into the, into, the, into the system and tell them, guys, the way you are working is a real good one, but the freight is the tool that can be used in so many ways. It can be a financial tool. It can be a tool that can be used to manage the stock and all those things. It depends on how you use it. So we tell them, okay, this is the way. We can help them manage your freight like this, but... As easy that this sounds like, you say, oh, that's, this, be, this can be a good way. Like they, they will use it for finance, they will use it for this. But the issue here is people have been using the system for decades. Sometimes big mm. companies, yes, they, they are really, they're really solid, but they have been using the system for two decades, three decades. And you want to make them change it after um, all this time, it can take a lot of time. 
mm. that this is what this is what we are doing. This is what we like doing. So we go to you have to go to the clients, explain the same thing over and over, and give them some visibility on the freight market, make them understand this is the shipping market, this is how the freight work, this is the FFA. We do a lot of shipping education here, and once the the, the client understand how this work and how this can benefit them, this is when they will start opening the doors for us to make to make business. But again, it takes okay. a lot of time and a lot of trust to build. It's like consulting, actually. A bit like consulting, yes. So okay. we are doing consulting and shipbroking all together. Okay, very interesting. And yes. you point out something which is, I mean, I want to ask you this question about incoterms. You mentioned about incoterms, and that's mm -hmm. something very important. Uh, how, how are you dealing in your daily basis uh, task with incoterms? Okay. Uh, as a shipbroker, let's say I don't... Mm, shipbroker in general, I don't really work with incoterms like this, but when it comes to the developing part that we do as a BRS West Africa, this is something that we have to talk a lot with. Because if our clients still sell, still, uh, still sell FOB or buy CIF, there's no way for us to help them manage the freight because they're not actually touching the freight. Someone okay. else, either the buyer or the seller, are the one handling the thing. So if you wanted to you know, use the incoterms, We'll be dealing with the buyers or the sellers, but not the one in, based in Africa. Okay. If then okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Makes sense mm -hmm. now. So it's not yeah. uh, only the shipbroking side, but it's the fact that you have the business development side. Exactly. So it's This okay. bringing uh, the into play. Okay. Uh, did you learn everything about Incoterms uh, on the field or you had like an educational background about it? Uh, I had an educational background into, uh, about it because I did the first master in maritime law. So we had a part about international commercial law that was into the program at the University of Le Havre. When I got into the company here, we had to do another training on CIF and FOB and how to make them understand, how to make the client understand, okay, this is how you have to do. Those are when your responsibility will shift. Here is uh, what new, new um, roles or new terms that you will have to include into your contract and all those things. So we said, there is what we learn and what you learn at school and how you have to put into practice here. Okay, very interesting. So mm -hmm. I, I, we're going to talk more about uh, shipbroker job, but a little bit later. Now I just want to focus a little bit on... <laughs> I change all oh, the, the order. It's interesting. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Yes. Let's keep going. I mean, about, I want to talk more about Africa because every time I uh, talk with uh, people in Europe, so for, uh, I try to enjoy mm -hmm. this moment with you to talk about Africa as well. Of course, um, enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So always the market um, in Africa and especially in Ivory Coast, uh, especially in the shipbroking side, but also in uh, more about the port of Abidjan. Can you give us an insight about it? Okay, so I'll give you an insight about most of the trades that are being done in West Africa that I see from where I am. Um, so we see a lot of intra-African trades. So, for example, we see a lot of fertilizer going out of Nigeria to Abidjan, Nigeria to Cameroon. We also have some uh, project of coal, coal plants in Nigeria that are planning to sell the, ca the cargoes in other, in other countries like uh, Senegal, Congo, Cameroon, and the list goes on. So this is something that's actually developing really well. And we are hoping to see a lot of intra-African trades uh, come into the market in the following years. We also have a clinker that is imported from the meds, from Egypt to, to West Africa, Abidjan, uh, Abidjan, Senegal, because we have a lot of cement plants. And like I said, in Abidjan, we have over 10 cement plants here. 
So there's mm. a lot of cement coming in. And we also have other countries, the one that are inland, that, that have to go share the port of Abidjan to get the cargoes in the in there. For example, the lot of Malians uh, cement plants have to go via the port of Abidjan and they import the fertilizer, the fertilizer and the and the clinker via the port of Abidjan. Okay. So we have a lot of dry commodity moving into there. And we also have um, mining companies with who I work with who export the, the cargo to China, India, and other countries. So we have manganese, min, uh, iron ore, nickel ore going to China. And mm. uh, we also have all those commodities that are just moving in and going out all the time. Okay. And do you have an idea about, uh, yeah. do we have a lot of ship, uh, ship owners in Africa? Or not? Uh, ship owners in Africa, we have some of them that are starting to implement themselves, but mm. all, are, most of them are Europeans or Chinese that, are, that bring the cargoes in, that, that bring the ships into the area. But we don't have specific ship owners already established. Not not big, not big one like the one we see in Europe. But the interesting thing is we see a lot of people trying to get into the market and they're looking into buying ship into buying ships or also. Um, construct ships that are, that are really specific to the port limitation that we have in West Africa. So for, for example, here the draft in the port of Aberdeen is 12 meters, and we have we can go up to 14 meters if you go to an acreage. And some other ports are five, six, seven meters. So if you have a ship that's really that can accommodate those draft, this is a good point to go. So people okay. are looking to all those things. Okay. And what kind of yeah. advice can you give to someone who wants to, uh, I don't know, someone in Africa or someone uh, who wants to move to Africa to work in the maritime industry, and especially in shipbroking industry? What is the particularity of the market, even if you talked a little bit about it? Mm-hmm. But if okay. you have some insight. So, um, I would say, since we've talked about some of it already, two main particularities of the shipping, of the ship, shipping market in uh, West Africa. The first of them is trust building because shipping is a man-to-man business but especially so in Africa and West Africa mm. it's not like I can call someone I can take my phone and say hi yeah, I'm Yasmin Bifi from BRS I've seen your Manganese cargo at the port of Abidjan I can help you ship it to China India whatever you want they will be like who are you what do you want from us what is this no you have to go mm. and meet the client you have to go to the office you have to take them out to lunch you have to visit them a lot of time before they trust you and if there is no okay. trust, there's nothing, nothing more. Sometimes my, mm. my colleague and I, we have to go to other places. Like it, it's always traveling to uh, Nigeria, to Togo, to Ghana. And sometimes I'll go to Ghana, Togo, because we have to meet the people. It's a really important mm. part of the business over here. Meet the people, make them trust you. Because if there's no trust, nothing is moving. But the good thing is once the trust is earned, we are good to go. So that's okay. one point. And the second point will still be the CIF and the FOB. You have to make people understand the need to switch from one from one to an, another, depending if they are sellers or if they are buyers. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of time. And then I would like to come back to, again, to the trust part. Because, for example, trust and network. Because here, network is really important. And something that happened last year, we were looking to developing a client into West Africa, a big a, uh, a big player in the market. And we have to go through three layers of hierarchy and we still didn't meet the person we are supposed to meet. 
they, they, mm. they kept referring us to someone else and someone else, someone else. It was it became a headache. So we had to go via another agent that used to provide services to them. And it is the external agent who organized the meeting between us and the person we wanted to meet. So when we met that person, they asked, oh, why did it take you that long to meet me? You should have gone through person A, B, and C. And we're like, mm, we actually met, we actually went through them. And it is, mm. we, didn't, we didn't tell that to the client, but... Uh, so well, it, yeah. it took us a lot of months. Took us a lot of months to get to to that person. So if you're not that really resilient and looking into knocking at all those doors, it can take you a lot of time to develop the business. Okay. So you have to okay. find your way. You have to find your way into all those ropes. Know who to talk to. How to use this connection. How to um, meet that person. How to make them trust you. I keep talking about trust, but it's a really important point here. Okay. Thank you for this uh, little uh, insights. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. want to ask you, uh, on what kind of vessels are you working on? I mean, the, your specialization as a ship broker. Okay. So as BRS Group, we work on several sizes. But here, I mainly work on, let's say, three main sizes. So the first of them is MPPs, multi-purpose ships. And they go from 3,000 to 16,000, 17,000. I will also work on Hondis that go from 20 to 40,000, 45,000 sometimes. And I also work on supermaxes and ultramaxes from 50 to 65,000 dead weights. But sometimes some of my clients might have bigger sizes that they want to ship. So for example, the client that normally sells uh, to the client in China, they normally ship 50,000 or 60,000. They might say, okay, this time we have a lot of cargo at port. We want to ship 80,000 tons of uh, manganese, of our iron ore to this place. So since it is not the size I work with, I call my I will call my my colleagues that are in London, in Geneva, or in um, or in Shanghai based on the size, and I'll ask them to look into it with the owners that have those sizes, and I'll make the link with my clients, and we can work all of this together. So that's okay. the good part about having a solid team all over the place. Okay, interesting. So it's yeah. actually it's the dry bulk market. Yeah, it's a dry bulk market. Yeah, I'm operating okay. dry bulk market. Yeah. Yes, because of course we are talking about the other markets because of course you have tanker, you have a lot of uh, mm-hmm. different markets. But mm-hmm. uh, dry bulk, it's the, I think the most common one in the shipbroking industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I agree about say, it? Yes, because it's a, it's a really common one. It's a, one it's a, at least one of the biggest tasks in companies might generally be the dry bulk one. And for, the, but the funny thing about the office in West Africa is we are specified in dry bulk. But also look into all the businesses because, like I said, we are developing. So we can look into the business of Dunker. But since it's not something that we master, we, we make the link between the clients here and the office in, uh, in Geneva or the office in Paris that can deal with the specific request of the clients. So if they want to build, mm-hmm. let's say, a Dunker, a Dunker vessel, we put them through the S&P department in, uh, in Paris or the S&P department in um, in Geneva, if they want, if they are looking to chartering a ship, we can put them through the uh, specialized tanker or the tanker department, and the list goes on. Okay, okay, very interesting. Uh, yeah. And you, you talk, um, you talk uh, at the beginning. I remember in Beres, you're doing like new build as well. Can you uh, let, explain building. a little bit new building vessel? Uh, what is it exactly? This uh, part uh, in shipbroking. Okay, so. New building is part of the big asset in, at BRS department. So you have assets. And in assets, you have S&P and the new building. So it's a station purchase of ships. 
a new building. So, for example, let's say Paul Louis here is, a, is a, an, either an owner or a charter and wants to build a ship. So you go to the, to the asset department, you'll tell them what are the specifics you want to you want with your ship. You want, a, uh, I don't know, this different this size, you want this draft, you want all those requirements. And they will put you through shipyards. They'll put, they'll make yeah. the contact and they'll follow the, they, they will follow the, the process, the construction process of the, of your ship from when you make the plan to when it's delivered. They will help you through all the process. So this is okay. what the a new building part does. I cannot tell you the specific because this is not my part yes, of, the, but... of the deal, but it's just an overview of what they do. That's good overview. On the, so it's actually it's kind of the same as the, um, I can say, sh- uh, the chartering part. I mean, you, you need to call the ship owner and you need to exactly. have the customer. You need to call the shipyard, which is the, exactly. not the ship owner. But, so, yeah. yeah, so like you said, we are intermediaries. As long as there's a ship and there's a transaction, we are in there as ship okay. in general. So if you want okay. to build a ship, we will contact you. We will be, we'll be the intermediaries between the buyers and the shipyards. If you want to charter a ship, we will be the intermediaries between the charters and the owners. If you want to sell a ship, we will be the intermediaries between the, the sellers and the buyers. As long as there's a ship, there is a ship broker. <laughs> Normally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Make we it very simple. <laughs> very yeah. simple. That's how it is. Okay, very interesting. And um, I don't know, I didn't provide you this question, but uh, you know, we have a, a competitive broker and in-house broker. Uh, do you know a little bit about the difference between both? Because I know sometimes uh, people are confused about the uh, difference. Can you come again, please? Uh, the difference between in-house, uh, for example, uh, so we have competitive brokers, for example, like BRS, Clarkson, mm-hmm. uh, like very old companies in the, the industry, and we have as well uh, in-house brokers. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this, those ones work closely with the, um, the ship owner, but I, I'm not sure. But, yeah. Okay, so it depends on uh, where you put yourself. So we have ship brokers like BRS. We can both work from charters and owners. If we are talking about the chartering side, and we have in our in-house ship brokers. Yes. Those can also be in the companies of the charters or in the companies of the ship owners. So, for example, okay. as a ship broker, I have the visibility on both sides. A ship broker at BRS, I have the visibility on who has the cargo and who has the ships. But for someone who is in the market, who is an in-house ship broker of an owner, he will, he will think about selling the, he will uh, put into market the ships of his owner alone. Mm. Okay. And the and the in-house in the in-house broker of a charter will only put out the cargoes of his company. So, okay. for example, I have you have Yasmin with a charter. I will always always put out the cargoes of uh, manganese from Yasmin company. I want for, man, for all the cargo that we put out will only be for my company. And if we have an owner with Paul Louis, uh, Paul Louis ship ship owner, your in-house broker will only put in the market all your ship size from handies, MPPs, all mm. so that you have, they only put in the market what you have as an owner. But okay. as a ship broker, I can talk to several ship owners at the same time. So I can come to okay. Paul, I can talk to your in-house ship broker and be like, okay, um, ship in-house ship broker of Paul Louis, what size of cargo, what size of ships do you have today? And you tell me your sizes. I can go and see uh, someone else ship uh, owner what sizes you have today in the market you will tell me which one what what ships he has available what the ships are available and all these things so as a ship broker as brs i have more a bit more discipline and talk to a bit more owners and then okay. house ship owner 
Okay, very thank you for this very clear explanation. Yeah, it's a make me it's yeah, everything is clear in my in my mind and I mm -hmm. hope listen, listeners as well. Um now let's talk more about your experience. Okay, uh, what is the the day of Yasmin life? Oh, it looks like like your daily day. <laughs> okay, not every day is going to be the same, but if you want to put a small classification how the day, the day goes. So normally when I get into the office, the first thing I would do is secret my markets. Uh, sorry, secret my cargoes. And this can this involves several tasks into into it. So let's say I have a manganese cargo that I'm supposed to work on. I will call my owner, I will call my charge and ask him if the cargo is still there. Because sometimes from one day to another, the ship, the, the charter can fix the cargo somewhere else. So I also okay. call him and say, okay, uh, yesterday I was working with this mechanic cargo from Abidjan to China. Is the cargo still there? He will say, yes, the cargo is still there. So I will go into the market. I will see the ships that are already in the market. I will contact those owners. I will do my calculation to see how much the ship is, how much the ship or the road is supposed to pay. So that when the owner is asking me um, ideas, I can provide him with some ideas on how much I think the cargo can be. Or if my charters give me an idea of a target, I can tell him that, okay, this is the target the client is giving me. Can you make it happen? Mm. So I will, do, I, will do, I will do this. I will do some calculations. And I will also um, see where the market stands. So this is also part of, of circulating the market. So I will see, okay, yesterday the market was at uh, this level. Today, the market is at this level. So once this is done, I will start looking at uh, where the market is. Generally, not only the freight market, but I will look at the cargo, uh, the cargo, how much my cargoes are, pay, are, being, are paying from one place to another. So I will see, I will see that the price of iron ore uh, drops some cents or drop a dollar, all those things. So that I can always provide accurate information to my charters and my owners. And okay. there's also some administrative tasks into there because I have to update my cargo list. I have to update my owner's list. I have to update which ship is still in the market, which ship is gone. So it's a bit of all those things. And some days I might have client meetings. So I, I might have lunch with a client or I might have to go to his office and talk to him. Or in the, if we have uh, organized meeting to other places because we not only work with clients in Abidjan. So I might have trips to... Ghana, Togo, all those places. So if there's a if there is a client meeting there, I will take the flight to go and meet a client there. So those are the things that are mainly into the into the into the day to day. Secure the cargo, check the market and where the market is, and uh, administrative tasks to see where the market uh, to see and organize the charters, the details, the cargoes, all those things, and client meetings of course. Mm -hmm. So this is how the day goes. Very interesting. And do you have, mm. uh, what is the challenge as a shipbroker uh, for people who want to become a shipbroker? Okay. Uh, we have a lot of challenges and the, the answer will differ from one, from one shipbroker to another. But I would say that the three main challenges of a shipbroker will be market volatility, competition, mm. and market knowledge. So market knowledge comes to how you know your market. And like I say, you know, you don't, you cannot say, okay, I know how much my road is paying. I'm okay with it. No, you need to know how much your market is paying. You need to know what sizes are in the market. You need to know how much your cargo is valued from one place to another, depending on what your charges are. You also need to know um, what in, what can influence the market. So if there is an issue with uh, 
let's say there's a, there is a war somewhere, somewhere, how can this impact your market? You need to know all mm. those things. So we always need to check those data to be up, up to date and give accurate advice to your clients, both charters and owners. The second point would be market volatility. Because as a broker, there are times where the shipping market is quiet. So you might be, you can spend one month or two months without zero fixture. And sometimes this can be taxing on your mental health. You can be like, okay, nothing is going on. You'll just be thinking about weird things. But this is where you need to build your resilience. And this is also where having a good team is a, is a really key imp- uh, component as a shipbroker life, in a shipbroker's life. Because when your market is silent, the market of your colleagues can be lively, so you can go and help them work on the market. You can also keep yourself busy with uh, other things like market information, market analysis, but keep yourself busy. And the last point is competition. Shipbroking is a highly competitive market. So once the cargo is out, you can be several um, brokers working on it. Or you can even have a time when you call an owner and say, oh, I have this cargo from my client. And you say, oh, someone already contacted, to, contacted, contacted me with this cargo. So I'm already committed. So you have to call another one and another one and another one until you find the exact owner that can give you a rate for your clients. But if you take all your time, by the time you get back to the chat to the chatter, someone came in, giving the rate, and it's already gone. So you have to be really okay. quick on your feet when it comes to those markets and those cargoes on highly competitive uh, clients. So those okay. are the main three for, for what I think about. Okay. And the first one you mentioned about knowing the market. Uh, sometimes the market. Uh, are the customers uh, asking you for projection of the market? Say, uh, how will be the market uh, next month? Do you, yes. Is it something yeah? they can ask you? Something they ask you. So, luckily for us, we have an FFA desk in, uh, at BRS. So, every day they give us an, an, an update of where the market might be in Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, even sometimes the beginning of the next year. So, they can. If you need more specific advice, you can, we can contact them and they will give us uh, an, an example of where the market might be. But sometimes even um, uh, uh, um, when you look at the FFA curves that they will give us, we can give a projection to your client to say, okay, this is where the market is right now. I don't think you should move because maybe the market will go down or the market will go up. It's, in the month, it's when you have to move. So based on all those things, you should be able to advise your client on when to, what moves to take. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting. So, uh, as a shipbroker, are you like you do need to watch news every day? To how can you educate yourself to to be aware of the market? Okay, I'm not saying you have to sit in the, sit in the front of your screen and watch every news every day, mm. but you can. There are some websites that give you a day-to-day update on the commodities. So you can have a website where they give you iron or what the iron oil level is today. Tomorrow you come and check, okay, iron oil is, is at this level today. Manganese, you also have some website that will give you the, some uh, data about where the market is every day. This is those things that you need to know. I'm talking about iron oil and manganese because those are the cargoes I follow. Iron oil, manganese, nickel oil, and all those things. So you can just go on those websites, see where the market is, and and look at it. Okay. Also, if you see that your, your cargo is moving from Abidjan, to China, if you can get an update on what's going on in Abidjan, what's going on in China. So if there is a, if there is a holiday in China, how would this in fact impact you, the imports mm. of uh, this commodity to China? So you know that okay for this next few weeks or few months the market will be slow. So you have to be prepared for those things. 
But it's not easy with uh, multi-purposes vessels because you have different <laughs> commodities. And how are you managing? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for MPPs, MPPs, the MPPs I work with, they don't really do big distance for the deals I work. So if I take a, if I have an MPP, it will mainly be from Nigeria to Ivory Coast, Nigeria to Togo, all those things. So it's not like big distance from Nigeria, from Nigeria to China, no. So it will be on handy sizes, on super maxis, ultra maxis. So the one that will go to China and uh, India, and sometimes some of them will go to the continent. So from I have to look at markets. Okay, I know this holiday is coming to into China, so this can affect. I know that maybe there is this war going around, so it can affect the the, the trade from uh, going to the continent and all those kind of small details that you have to pay attention to. Sometimes mm-hmm. you also have to track the fuel markets because this can also impact how the freight will go up and down. Because if the bank is expensive, the freight will go up too. If it, if it oh. goes down, freight, yeah. You have some, uh, okay, some correlation. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay, very interesting. Uh, can you share mm-hmm. with us an anecdote? Maybe you have one, uh, in can be in the maritime industry during your studies or even as a shipbroker. Anecdotes you had, experienced. Okay, so I think I would, I would talk about my first fixture that I did at BRS Shipbroker. And that was with the client I mentioned earlier. So that client, my my colleague has been chasing him for all, over a year before giving me the client to follow. And I spent one year talking to that, this client with no real communication. So I would send him market analysis. I would send him sometime where the market stands. I would send him all the data I could find. But the client would not be giving me a lot of information back. So it was mainly a one-sided conversation for almost a year. Mm. And then one random Friday, the client said, oh, Yasmin, I have this cargo from Abidjan to this. Find me a rate. I was like, wow. okay. So, I, yeah, that was really, really funny. So I went I went to contact my colleagues. And luckily, there was a, one of my colleagues in India had a ship in the area that could do the business. So I said, okay, I have this cargo. This is the rate my client is hitting. Is it work? Is it workable for your owners? My my colleague went so we went a bit back and forth on the freights, on all the on some other details on the main terms. And after maximum three, three two to three hours, we put the ship on subs. So that was oh, wow. amazing. Yeah, so that's we put amazing. The ship on subs. Yes, we lifted the subs almost on time, and the deal was true. And that was wow. since then the clients and I had had a smooth communication. He would give me cargoes when the cargoes are ready. He would tell me uh, how the stock is. How so? There's a clear communication back and forth. And I'm really grateful that uh, this how this is going now. And this was an amazing experience that day. Wow! So wow. like I, said, like I said, trust. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Like I said, trust can take a lot of time to build with the client, but once it's done. We are good to go. So I'm really grateful to that client for giving me that chance. And it's good. So that was a good thing. Wow. That, that's so nice. But uh, I, I imagine when you, you f- need to fix uh, the ship, it can be very fast. Actually, you say you're three hours. So is it yeah. normal in the industry how it works, uh, the process of I find the ship. So now I need to contact the, the, the cargo owner and make this uh, oh, how fast it is. Okay. It depends. Some deals can be done in let's say like three hours, some of them can take weeks. I'm not not talking about the deal. Okay. What what can take weeks is like finding a ship, all those things can take weeks for for some charters. Maybe sometimes they might not have enough quantity at board. 
sometimes they might, they might see the market is too high for them, so you just keep hitting the market until they find a good rate. But when you come to fixing, it can be quickly done. So if your charters and your owners are really good on what they want to, they know what, what level they want, one, one is buying, no one know what level the order is targeting, and if you can find a common ground, you are good to go. You can even some, even some this can even be done in one hour. So when mm. charters and owners are know, already know each other, they already know the main terms, they don't really know, to, they don't really have to negotiate all everything all over again because they have done business together in the past. Or they know this, okay, for these uh, clients, this is how we do the deal, so let's just fix and move on. Okay. So it can be really wow. fast. Yeah. I can't imagine, yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I, I'm reading this, you know, these big books uh, with all the contract, all the stuff. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, if you understand that sometimes they, you have these terms. Uh, exactly. I don't remember yet. Yeah, so say in the, one, the we, we term, one hour. Okay, so like I said, it depends on the client. So, for example, for my the client I was talking, I was talking to the main terms wasn't that was not that long or that complicated. So owners look at it, they made some changes on close one, close two, close three, and they say, mm-hmm. okay, Chatwell sent saw it again. Chatwell say, okay, the chance makes sense. Let's move on. So the deal was gone. But sometimes you might have a chatter that will say, I don't want to change my main terms. And owners say, I don't want to, I don't want to do with those main terms. So we just go back and forth, back and forth for a long time. But at some points, if all goes well, they can find a common ground and they can move. But if, if they cannot find a common ground, they will have to drop the deal. And you have to look again for another ship. Okay. So, yeah, the main term can be a point. So it can be a point where owners and chatters would have to discuss a lot. Some other times, if everything is fine, they'll be like, okay, let's go. Okay. So okay. it depends well, on depends. What, uh, the other parties. Okay, okay, it's good to know. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, I imagine it depends a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So now I want to ask you a last question, of course, because sure, it's already ahead. more than 40 minutes we talked. Oh my God, for... that was <laughs> time yeah, flew really fast. fast. <laughs> yeah, it was going fast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good sign. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, uh, what can, what do you want to add, firstly, what you, you really want to, something you want to, to talk about, or maybe, mm-hmm. you, or if you want to give advice for people in the industry. I let you the choice decide oh, okay. what if you I want I'll, to. I will go with advice for someone want to be okay. a ship broker. Uh, I would say be ready to learn and be ready to know the market. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. To mm. a bit like what you are doing, go to go on Skype, go on LinkedIn, talk to the guys, see uh, someone ship broker at this company, contact them. And funny enough, you'll be surprised on how ship brokers talk a lot on Skype. So if he's not if he's not replying on LinkedIn, maybe try to see on Skype. You can find that person and t- introduce yourself. Try to talk to them, explain, uh, ask them what made them choose to be a ship broker. If they could change, could they change? Would they change their career? Or ask them to give you advice. But be ready to learn. Second point mm. to build to build resilience, because this is something really important to the market. Because if when you start when you start as a ship broker, not everyone will open the door that easily as shelters or even owners. So be ready to knock at all the doors possible until you get what you need to get. Mm. And the last one would be um, work on your communication skills because you have to, you're always talking. Whether you are typing, calling, sending an email, you are always communicating and negotiating with your clients. So be ready to um, do all those parts of communication. Okay, but I said I was going to, be, to give three advice, but the last one would be give it a try. You never know mm. until you try. Just go. Take, uh, do an internship, do a one-year, 
do something, go to the market is not rocket science. Shipbroking is not rocket science. You just have to be ready to understand the market and be ready to put everything that you have into into it and see what happens for you. So that's a good thing. Thank you for this advice. It's, it's a yeah, welcome. Big, big plus for listeners. And uh, yeah, I hope. Uh, of course, yeah, of course, we need to apply this. Uh, it's good to listen, but the best thing is to apply all this apply, advice. Exactly, <laughs> apply, yeah. Yeah. So, so thank afraid. you. Yeah, don't be afraid. That's uh, very important, uh, especially when you are you are young and you don't have experience. It's hard mm-hmm. sometimes to to know the door to these very experienced senior people in this industry, mm-hmm. which is sometimes mm-hmm. co- old industry uh, shipping. Yes. And yeah. also sometimes graduate programs are a really good things to look into it because, for example, at BRS we have a graduate program in which uh, mm. we take fresh graduates and we let them experience all the departments of BRS and they can look at, for example, you can start in Drybook, then move to SNP, move to SNP, and then Tankers, and you can have a look at all those departments and at the end, you can choose which one you want to stay in if you want to stay in the company. So those kind of pro- those kind of programs can be a really good things for new graduates who want to look at uh, ship working from afar or close and see how it goes. Okay, it's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. very interesting. Thank you, Yasmin, for this episode. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Pleasure to talk with you too. <laughs> I wish you all the best and uh, maybe see you around uh, in Abidjan, maybe, I don't know. Waiting to see you here. <laughs> yes. It would be nice to have you here. And yeah, I wish you. you all the best with your podcast and maybe you can even have a next talk on it if you when, if or even when you want. So have a good with one. With pleasure. Thank you, Asmin. Yeah, have welcome. a nice day. Have a nice Bye-bye. day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more inspiring stories for maritime professionals, experts, and students. Do not hesitate to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Your support means a lot to us, and it greatly helps in our continuous growth. We committed to bringing you more exciting episodes with passionate guests. 